Welcome back to Making the Metaverse with me, Michael Carter. Making the Metaverse is presented by OnTheBlockchain.ca, Canada's fastest growing blockchain community. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Making the Metaverse with me, Michael Carter. Uh, today is not just another episode of Making the Metaverse. It's, uh, it's a very uh, exciting episode for me personally, because uh, my guest today is Pavel Abdurrahman, who uh, is uh, recently, until recently, spent 15 years actually at uh, IBM Canada, uh, heading up uh, blockchain and AI research there and um, has uh, been focusing more recently, more intently on, uh, on Web3, and particularly in emerging markets, but also um, has degrees from two institutions that I also have degrees from. Now, <laughs> my degrees aren't as difficult, I don't think, as, as, as yours are, Pavel, um, but uh, nonetheless, there is some affiliation there. Um, and interestingly, you also were a speaker at an event a couple of years ago that I just uh, organized this past weekend at the Smith School of Business. So it feels really great to have some of these um, these things in common. Thanks so much for uh, popping in and, and talking to me today. Thanks. Thanks, Michael, for having me. Looking forward to the chat. So, um, you know, it, it it's interesting when I talk to people, one of the first things I like to do is is ask them about what their life was like before before they got into blockchain and before they got into web3 but um for in your case that <laughs> can you remember that <laughs> way back when what like and because for a lot of people that i talk to it, you know what i what i'm interested in is is you know that hook how they found the on road but you've been in the space for a really long time so uh, can you remember way back when before blockchain yeah i mean um you know, I, 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 I studied engineering at the University of Toronto and did my master's at uh, Smith School of Business with Professor Yuri. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, while I'm working at IBM for the last 15 years, as you know, both um, AI and blockchain has progressed significantly, I would say, in the last sort of 10 years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of activity happened um, and originated from Canada, particularly from Toronto. Uh, both in AI as well as both in crypto with Ethereum uh, and 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 so on. So I think this is all close to home. Um, but I guess if you really ask me what's really got me interested uh, recently around Web3, crypto and blockchain is my original connection to emerging markets. Mm. Um, I was born in Bangladesh uh, prior to moving to Canada almost 25 years ago. And I... Wow. Uh, reasonable uh, connection to that part of the world and what crypto means for us um, uh, very fortunate people in Toronto or Kingston or in Canada uh, is it means very different yeah. for people in uh, Southeast Asia um, in Middle East uh, in South Africa and in in the in the neighboring region and we see that in the crypto adoption mm. right um, uh, so, so to me, crypto means very different for emerging markets, and I love to uh, explore more with you. Yeah, that's that's so great because you know, as you know, 
you know, Web three is a is a is a borderless space in many ways. But we all come from somewhere, and we all have a geography that we're a part of that shapes our lives. And one of the really um, interesting things for me personally has been, um, you know, working with people in different parts of the world. And you're right, seeing the that um, you know, for me, for me living in Kingston with my you know the life that I enjoy, I have a lot of opportunity. And I'm, I'm, I have a lot of blessings and I have, you know, I don't need to um, scratch my way in the way that other people might in other parts of the world. And it's, um, it's really something personally that I find really magical. I have a long um, history working in not-for-profit sectors. I worked for a long time for the YMCA of Greater Toronto, worked with a lot of newcomers, actually, lots and lots of newcomers mm -hmm. um, who, uh, who were looking for opportunity. Um, and uh, so that that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Can you say a little bit more about what that opportunity means for the emerging markets? Yeah, so let me just frame it this way. Uh, imagine you're waking up tomorrow morning and worried about uh, the inflation of your dollar that is up to 80%. Wow. Yeah, 8% doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's the actual number, actually, in Turkey. Uh, yeah, as we speak. it is, yeah. Um, and, you know, all of these emerging markets, uh, which, by the way, I'm extremely bullish on because I think the future growth will be there simply because demographics, um, as well as uh, just faster technology adoption, like mm -hmm. the mobile payment in Southeast Asia yes. leads the world. Yeah. Uh, Canada and the U.S. is behind um, places like Philippines or places like Kenya, as an example. So um, I am extremely bullish on uh, emerging markets overall growth. Um, you know, bear in mind all the political and, yes, and, yeah. and, and climate related challenges that they all possess. But if we just think about inflation, if we think about how many people actually do not have a bank account? Mm -hmm. um, and that number is 70%, 80%. Again, think about uh, in your city in Kingston, how many people don't have a bank account? Yeah, it's wild. It's right. so wild, really. Right? So, <laughs> so we don't really think about inflation that way. We don't think about access to banks or trust in banks that way. Mm -hmm. uh, we also don't think about currency um, uh, devaluation. Although I would say, I am seeing the currency, Canadian currency devaluation against USD as we speak in mm -hmm. October 2022. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really feel too good, right? When mm -hmm. our dollar is almost going to become 50 cents of a Canadian mm -hmm. US dollar, yeah. right? So concerns all of us. So now imagine all of those things are your everyday thing in mm -hmm. emerging markets where there is a billion people exist that's between 18 to 40 young, tech hungry, mm -hmm. and wants to preserve whatever asset they have. Mm -hmm. What are the choices do they have? Mm -hmm. Well, they can't really buy Apple or Google stock sitting in Jakarta or Istanbul or mm -hmm. Islamabad uh, or Legos because that may not be available. Uh, those countries, usually not all of them, so I don't want to generalize, actually also have capital flight control. Mm -hmm. where um, the government's economical policy is to control 
uh, capital leaving the geography. And they may not be able to afford real estate uh, because that might be hundreds of thousands of dollars in those markets. So if I'm a 28-year-old engineer who has, let's say, $5,000 of total cash, what do I do with my cash? Mm. Guess what I do? I buy 100% in digital assets. Mm. So for that segment of population, that's a billion people where future growth will come from for the world, crypto is not an asset allocation of 1% to 2%. Hmm. It's about all of it. Yeah, I've seen some of those numbers. They're staggering. Yeah, so that's why you see places like Indonesia, Turkey, hmm. Brazil, Nigeria, Nigeria, Pakistan, yeah, Bangladesh, India, Philippines, Vietnam, all of these places are the highest in crypto adoption. Mm. So anyway, so that's why I feel crypto is fundamentally built for emerging markets. It's supposed to solve the problem of ownership, connecting not just the local as well as the global diaspora, and then exchanging of value, right? Whatever that value happens to be, whether some software projects like Ethereum or, you know, uh, gold-like projects like Bitcoin or real-world assets uh, that we can also talk about how tokenization is also mm -hmm. changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the uh, it, it's interesting because you know monetary policy and state power and and those things are are really big questions. They're really big debates. They're really big um, ideas, and they they don't necessarily. We, I, I don't feel that we necessarily engage in those discussions as much here in the West as I see those discussions happening in, in other emerging markets. There's a project um, that was done recently. Uh, it's a graphic novel that um, Anne Connolly uh, is co-author for. And the mission, they're giving, they've given it away. They, they, they did it to um, educate uh, uh, African youth to reimagine the future, a decentralized future, and to teach them about uh, decentralization, to teach them about blockchain, um, because it's, you know, it's it's like you say, it's not just about the money. The money is important. Like that's a really significant piece of it, but it it, it it's it's more than that. It's about power and freedom and autonomy and uh, mobility and and uh, the chance for a future that is that can be. Um, determined by your by your efforts and not uh, uh, limited and constrained by by um, structures of power. So what's it like? For, what What's it like to to gain access to those markets? Yeah, so so it's it's there's different types of markets, I would say, um, let's categorize them. There's type one, that's actually fully regulated, and quite advanced. Okay. Uh, one of the example is actually Indonesia. Okay. Um, they have a full regulation. Crypto is traded like commodity. It's regulated under Ministry of Trade. Um, they have, uh, I believe, uh, 15 plus uh, exchanges active, almost 20 million users, uh, almost billion dollars a day transactions. Uh, they allow up to 250 different types of tokens, as an example. That's a type one market. Um, type two uh, would be you know, markets that will be regulating crypto, they are pro-crypto, uh, but regulation is not there yet. 
Um, example is Turkey, um, mm -hmm. very active. Uh, I would say equally uh, probably 10 to 15 million people of active participation. If you've been to Istanbul recently, you would see, um, you know, crypto ads everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, um, but uh, Turkey is one of those markets where pro crypto and will be regulating. Uh, so a lot of mobilizations happening. And then I would say there's type three, which is, you know, probably still three to five years out um, um, and uh, working with regulators, um, central banks, security exchanges, um, as well as the establishment, uh, the traditional finance, um, uh, we are basically building the bridge uh, with traditional finance or TradFi with uh, decentralized finance, DeFi. Um, and as the overall you know, political ecosystem matures um, and, and will then pursue uh, regulated uh, product develop, de uh, deployment. Okay. And, and is there like, are you working in all three of those categories or yes. do you, you, yes. you do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and we, we're, we're, right now have a roadmap about 14 markets, 17 wow. currencies. Um, they're in different stages of, of market mature maturation. Um, one of the projects that I'm very close right now is called facet mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, basically trying to build the digital asset exchange for emerging markets, um, uh, particularly Muslim majority markets, um, um, they are going to be deploying uh, uh, in Indonesia and Turkey, uh, as well as UAE in the next three months, wow. uh, while positioning in some of the other markets in 2023 and onward. Wow, fantastic. And what's the what's the reception like? Like, uh, is, is everybody receiving you with open arms or, or are there stakeholders that are hold, trying to hold you back and, you know, see you as a threat? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I would say uh, mixed, mixed, mixed uh, uh, bag. Uh, but, you know, our approach is uh, very regulation first. Mm, uh, okay. What we believe in as well, um, because the moment you uh, deal with uh, people's money, um, and uh, we think that um, all of those entities should be under some regulatory uh, supervision uh, to protect uh, uh, both uh, customers' interest as well as uh, the different companies. So we work with the regulators, um, and um, as long as you continue to contribute to the overall economical goal um, of the governments, uh, which is typically tend to be bring foreign direct investment in the market, mm. uh, uh, allow uh, more uh, sort of, you know, export of goods and services from the market, um, uh, provide access to the citizens, you know, financial products that's going to be helpful uh, uh, for their political goals, uh, as well as economical goals. Um, we navigate through those conversations. Hmm. It's so um, it's so amazing, you know, to think about. I'm I'm just struck now by the maturity of the of of the technology and the approaches at this point. I mean, you know, we talk all the time about the speed that this that this market that this industry and this technology is working at, um, and 
a lot of times, unfortunately, I think in, in the media, there, there's a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus on the negative. There's a lot of um, attention to things like rug pulls and uh, th things like crypto bros and, you know, uh, get rich quick schemes and people losing money. Um, and it's, it's so fantastic, you know, when you get into the space, when you stop standing on the outside looking in and you actually get into the space and start working in the space, you see how much um, goodwill there is in the space. Like, like we're talking about making, improving the lives of, of vast numbers of the population of this planet, vast numbers. Absolutely, absolutely true. You know, it's it's kind of it's you know to to take a step forward, we may have to take a step back. Hmm. I have seen this with AI uh, in my uh, in my career, um, and I'm certainly now seeing more and more of it with blockchain. Uh, but if you if you think about it, um, you know, if we use two other analogy, uh, one would be internet in the early '90s. Hmm. And the excitement, uh, as well as the potential, mm -hmm. while um, you know some of the you know some of the challenges of '90s, where you know a lot of you know illicit criminal activity was happening on internet, um, you know a lot of streaming of pornography was happening on internet. Right. Yeah, those were the things actually came before you and I can use our credit card to buy mm -hmm. everything we need from Amazon. Yeah. Right. I mean, so so I, I think um, Internet went through this. I would also say uh, nuclear uh, uh, energy and mm. uh, the, 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 the ability to har harvest nuclear for good uh, also went through this. Um, so so I would say, you know, um, we have very good example of how Internet uh, nuclear um, in the last, I would say, 50 to 75 years, went through a very similar cycle than where we are with AI mm. now. Um, mm. You know, we're really talking about ethical AI a lot now, but that started about six, seven years ago. And we are not there yet, but we are going to soon talk about ethical crypto as well. Mm. We're going to realize uh, that it's not just about speculating on some token. Yeah. It's actually about creating real world use cases and utilities. And almost, I like to say this, uh, become uh, the non-crypto people for non-crypto people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Away absolutely. from the crypto bro conversations, yeah. right? I think that's all happening. And that's kind of what excites me about next two to three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've really enjoyed, um, you know, I, I was saying to someone today, actually, that, you know, in the in the beginning, when the market crashed, there's a grieving period. And all we can think about is, oh, my God, <laughs> what's gone wrong. And then, uh, you know, after a little bit of time, if you're still in the space, you you see other people are still in the space and, and the conversations start start getting going and people start talking about what 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 the potential of the future is and the things that we can build and the utilities that are available and um the conversation shifts and there's this enthusiasm and excitement for you know yes and i tell people all the time profit is good i'm not against profit i think people should be compensated for their work and their efforts and should be rewarded for taking risk mm 
Um, and also, um, the technologies that we're talking about have the potential to make such an impact on people's lives, in addition to uh, changing their wealth position uh, by giving them new uh, capabilities for creativity, by giving them new uh, opportunities for employment, by um, detaching them and decoupling them from the constraints of their political or geographical location in the world. Um, and giving them access to different spaces where those constraints don't hold them back anymore. It's such, um, you know, when I when I came back from in, living in India, uh, I was living at uh, Young and Bloor in downtown Toronto. And uh, I lived in a nice part of India. I lived in, in the uh, suburbs of a city called Mysore, which is in the south of India. Um, but still, you know, if you've been to India, you know that it's not so cut and dry. It's not so divided. And so you get exposed to a lot of um, misfortune and a lot of people that are in situations that they can't escape just because of their birth, their birthright. And, and when I came back to Canada and I'm walking around Young and Bloor, even before the massive um, you know, redevelopment took place, I recognized the incredible gift and blessing I had just to stand on the soil in that particular part of the world was a huge advantage and a huge opportunity. And one of the things that really excites me is when I work with people and I know that they are getting the opportunity to, 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 to work in the space and to not be constrained um, by those geopolitical uh, forces, by those geographical forces. Um, that must be really exciting for you and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, there's a there's a there's a guy that I follow. His name is Balaji Srinivasan. And he is it was involved with uh, you know Coinbase and 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 early on with A16 and so on. Um, he has a saying called um, um, "We need to continue to bundle, unbundle, and rebundle." You know, yeah. that's kind of how you make money. That's kind of how life works. Um, and I think what we're going through crypto right now um, is an unbundling process, right? So all of the, you know, um, you know, all of the weak management teams, all mm. of the scammers, yeah, <laughs> all, of the, all of the hype mm -hmm. uh, is all getting sort of sorted out. Yeah, I think it's yep. a very sort of healthy process. Yeah, um, I think uh, in US. Um, you know, regulation, particularly around stablecoin in the next couple of weeks and months, and then regulations around commodity and digital assets in the next couple of weeks and months will really set the tone for institutional capital for allocation in crypto. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the next trillion dollars of uh, market cap will come from. And I think that will really stabilize a lot of prices which which give me a lot of sort of you know confidence about the future because the both the 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 markets like Canada and US and Australia and UK where crypto is now um uh, becoming uh the money maker for the fintech mm -hmm. uh, like wealthsimple or the robinhood or the revoluts of the world um, you know, crypto is becoming the money making, but in the emerging markets, a lot of people that are 100% allocating crypto, 
uh, of their $5,000, $7,000 of total asset um, at age you know, 30, 35, it would appreciate. Uh, and they would be able to own it. Uh, they would be able to, for example, collateralize and buy a house. Uh, they would be able to use their crypto for payments. Um, you know, we're also working on a really interesting partnership where you could actually collateralize and make monthly car payments for your leases, as an mm. example. Wow. Uh, so, so a lot of those, what I what we call the golden bridge of TradFi and DeFi, are being built in the emerging markets. Mm. Uh, and I think, uh, I hope. I hope Canada actually becomes a, a global hub for, you know, crypto and blockchain innovation. Um, uh, I mean, we have the amazing talent base and all the universities and so on. But, you know, we kind of, I would say, still missing the train on AI. Okay. So AI was founded. Uh, uh, AI was, you know, um, the godfathers of AI all kind of came from, you know, Toronto, Montreal and Edmonton. Um, um, so in my mind, you know, I, have been in with AI for the last 10 years and, um, we could have done better. Uh, so I hope we do, uh, you know, we learn from that experience and we, we, we certainly take a blockchain, uh, equally seriously in hmm. Canada. Hmm. Um, you know, so you, 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 you mentioned your, uh, you know, the learning uh, and your and your and your education and your training and the richness of the the context in which that takes place. So you've got this this really this great heritage for AI in Canada, sort of. And um, and I'm thinking about uh, I'm still you know I'm still thinking about those emerging markets as well. But one of the things that has been on my mind is around that piece around education, right? So we have like um, we have these this opportunity where there's this, this disruption. And in order, in, in order for us best to take advantage of it, I think um, there needs to be uh, education. People need to have access, people need to learn and to be able to study um, just like you have. And so I, I wonder what your, what your thoughts are in that respect. Like how, how important, like, do we just, um, in, in, do we just look for consumers to onboard into these technologies, um, or, or like how important do you feel it is to to for people to have access to to the education and and are you what kind of teaching do you do you provide in the world? Yeah, and extremely important. Um, I myself went back to school and did my master's during my work uh, life to continue to upgrade. Um, not just skills and, and and knowledge, but also network and just mm -hmm. view, right? Um, yeah. We're all evolving. Um, so I think education and continuous education is extremely important at all layers um, and and pace of uh, uh, in the in the society. So whether it's a consumer education, which uh, we are doing, for example, Facet recently partnered with the government of Pakistan to. Uh, enable a million um, youth in Web3 education. Wow. Because that is a $100 billion opportunity for the yeah. country of Pakistan, as an example. Yeah. So we're extremely um, um, supportive and spend lots of time, you know, from university to university to really, you know, make sure the 
the the youth uh, prior to getting into uh, crypto understand what uh, the fundamental basics are. But I think that equally is important at the senior leadership, mm. both private and public entities. Uh, so the the government officials, the regulators, um, um, as well as the bank executives, the telco executives, um, and you know all of the industrial um, you know sectors, uh, similar similar to how people go back and do their MBA and EMBA, um, as well as continuous education. Uh, uh, I, I strongly believe that uh, similar content in a well-structured way, uh, well-presented way with the right set of sort of experts, both academia and industry should be able to uh, benefit a lot uh, in all of these markets, both matured as well as developing markets. So do you, do you mean when you, when you describe that, you mean like an executive education type scenario? I mean, it's it's all about where one is in their uh, career. Um, so if um, you know if uh, one is in a senior leadership position, um, you know, time is the essence, right? Yeah, time is totally. Things. Yeah. So with 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 personal lives and and work lives, people mm -hmm. probably have a lot of time. So I do feel, um, you know, two days, three days, five days sessions that focuses on a perhaps broad as well as very specific uh, is a great way to continue to nibble away in this new place so that, you know, at a bare minimum, people understand the language that, um, you know, this conversation will be having so that they don't feel, um, you know, they don't feel lost mm. or, or, or more, I guess, worse, they don't feel scared. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. Because innovation cannot happen if we do not have adoption. Mm hmm it's um there's a lot um that feels like there's a bit of a vacuum in some ways like you know uh i hang around a lot of creators uh, particularly in uh, nft space and the metaverse space and you know we're always joking like oh you've been in you've been in this space for like you know a year you're like an og <laughs> you know there's there's not a lot of like people like yourself that have this really long background um, that uh, are available to to teach. It seems to me, it seems to me that uh, even a lot of universities have don't necessarily have a fully fleshed out uh, program for this kind of education. Um, what's your experience been? Yeah, it's it's um, you know again um, understandable, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we have seen this with AI. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, AI is now. If you look at all the education for that, uh, for on AI, both at the undergrad level, master's level, as well as executive education and board level, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's 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 getting quite matured, uh, particularly in places like Canada, Europe, mm -hmm. UAE, yeah, so on. And I think the same thing will happen with blockchain. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> We're just uh, very early. And I think all types of, um, you know, uh, experts, both um, the one-year-old OGs, <laughs> well as some veterans should be part of the dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. We can all bring different perspective um, to, to, this, to the subject. Hmm. Um, and and how, how important do you think it is for, say, um, people to, to meet and network with other 
other executives and other industry professionals? Like, is that something that you see value in? Extremely valuable. Uh, I hope uh, um, that's that's on top of everybody's mind. But I would just frame it. I think it needs to be in a sort of a organized and curated way. Um, uh, particularly, I've spent lots of time in Dubai. There are lots of um, uh, conferences, mm-hmm. three times a week, lots yeah. of activities. Yeah. And I think people should go and exp- explore those things. Uh, but I think um, also if we could structure um, educational content with the right mix of uh, enabling people to speak to each other and progress ideas to production, um, then uh, I think that could also be very helpful. Um, so, so, so to me, that's how I've always met a lot of interesting people um, in my personal journey. Hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the intersection of AI and blockchain, actually, because they don't always necessarily go together. Um, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, blockchain is a distributed ledger, mm-hmm. um, which in the Web2 world uh, would be, you know, different types of databases, right, which is centralized, right? So so um, I actually think um, AI is the intelligence to data um, that we are going to continue to collect with web two and web three technologies so in web two we have uh, sort of a lot of centralized databases uh, and data sources and in web three the premise is decentralized databases and data sources but at the end of the day as you create communities and create data from those communities Without AI, it's like driving without a navigation system, hmm. right? So to understand customer um, uh, patterns and behaviors and pricing and you know um, a different way to uh, predict behavior and different way to create recommendation engines that will meet a very sort of um, personalized demand of Web3 products. Mm, okay. uh, without AI, there is uh, really no other way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, I uh, This has been a fascinating conversation so far. One of the things that I often like to ask people uh, when I talk to them on the show is, um, you know, I so so you've been in the space for a long time. And I've been in the space not as long as you. Um, but um, one of the things that happens when you get in the space is it kind of changes. Um, it feels different. You know, you, you're, you're in it, you're, you co-create it because it's so new that it's such a frontier. Um, and, you know, there's still actually quite a lot of people that are not really in the space. And maybe they're looking and thinking, oh, you know, maybe I should get involved that maybe I could get interested. Um, what are what do you say to the people that are still on the outside looking in 
and and feeling like oh maybe I should jump in what what do you what do you tell that what's the uh what's the pitch what's the what's the what's that look like yeah I mean I always like to say to take a step forward you gotta take a step back uh, and I was reading something uh, and I'm not sure how many uh, of your listeners are aware of this but in about 200 years ago in 1817 a very similar debate was happening in Bank of England hmm. Um, and, and the whole conversation is about going gold from gold to paper, hmm. right? Uh, how do we go from, um, you know, uh, exchange of value from, uh, you know, using gold and silver uh, to uh, paper? And the conversations, the debates and forgeries and hmm. doubts at that era, which was almost 200 years ago now, was about what is money, hmm. right? Um, and it's fascinating to learn history, how a huge group of people um, uh, were not supportive of moving from gold and silver hmm. to pay back money, hmm. right? So, and we know the, the pros and cons of that. I mean, um, you, know, um, you know, living in 2022, uh, where in the last sort of, since 2008 crisis, we have, you know, the, the, all the governments around the world together probably printed about $35 trillion of money. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then we're seeing the impact of that uh, with hyperinflation around the world and in places like Canada and US. So I think next 10 to 15 years, um, um, we are going to live through a hyperinflation environment. Hmm. And I think the pitch is uh, very simple. Um, do you really know what money is? Mm. And and do you really know what money was? Mm. And are you sure you know what money will be? Mm. And that hopefully is uh, is uh, you know in addition to all the other uh, you know social causes that Web three promises mm. right about giving everybody ownership. Uh, connecting the world uh, with uh, each other and then able to exchange value with two parties in a more efficient way. Um, all of those things are true. Uh, but for somebody to, I guess, think about it um, in a deeper way, they should think about what money will be in the future. Mm. And they should think about why would money not be the same way how we send a WhatsApp message Mm -hmm. Do we really need to spend 20% to remit money from Canada to Indonesia? Mm. Uh, do we not have more efficient way of uh, moving uh, value and exchanging value with each other? Um, and in this digital era, how do we create uh, new types of assets, uh, not just you know, some exciting digital arts like Bored Apes. <laughs> also, uh, perhaps more basics, where is my master's degree from Queens? Yeah. Uh, where is my birth certificate? Mm -hmm. Where is my, you know, deed of my house? Mm. Um, all of those sort of, you know, uh, are excellent use cases for NFT and smart contracts, as an example. So mm. I think that's the next 10 years. And I think um, one should not miss out on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think 
got to get the FOMO in there right at the end, right? <laughs> um, Pavel, this has been truly, I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. Um, and uh, with this conversation, with everything that you have, the experience and the background that you have, um, where where else can, where can I go or where can listeners go uh, to get more of your insights to like, do you have books? Do you have, do you teach? Like what, do you have video, uh, videos online? Like where, where, where should people come and, and, and learn more from you? So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to connecting and learning from uh, everybody as well. Please connect on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there. Um, and I am teaching uh, a short course with SIT, um, both in Zurich and Dubai. Uh, I'm sure both uh, in-person and online uh, participations available. Um, and, uh, you know, looking forward to spending three days uh, talking about Web3, some of the foundational concept and content, as well as some of the real world case studies that I love to uh, uh, go a little bit deeper on. And, and looking forward to this journey with, with, with all of you uh, who, are, who are listening. Awesome. Um, I'll put uh, I'll put some of that stuff in the show notes for people that oh. are listening so they can they can click through. Um, and that includes your LinkedIn. Did you just say I could put that in the show notes? Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, thanks so much, Pavel. It wow. I just this is fantastic. So delightful. I really really enjoyed this time. Thank you so much. Thanks, and, Michael. Uh, I hope that uh, we can connect again soon. Uh, and Absolutely. and uh, have a have a wonderful day and best of luck with everything. You too. Thank you, Michael. Speak soon.